You're listening to Market Scale Pro AV. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I have the pleasure of having a conversation with the Executive Vice President for Sales and Marketing for Absent America, Gary Fuller, and Allison Maxson, the PR and Marketing Communications Manager for Absent America, also known as the Social Media Queen. Good morning. How are you today? Great. How are you? (laughs) Thank you, Gary. I'm doing great, too. Thanks for uh, having us on your show. Oh, it's my pleasure. So we're going to do one traditional interview question, and that is, give me the brief journey of how you each wound up at Absent America. Okay. Um, I'll start. Okay. Um, After, oh boy, decades in the AV industry, I decided to retire in 2016. and. out of nowhere, I got a. Uh, I was contacted by uh, Alan Liu, who is the president of Absin America, and uh, he wanted to meet at LDI in uh, was twenty sixteen, November of twenty sixteen. I met with him. He asked for some help uh, with the structure of Absin Inc., uh, which we refer to as Absin America, um, in all regards, in every part of the business. So I willingly joined the fray as a consultant, was started out, was going to be two to two and a half days a week, very quickly became more than full time. And um, in November of 2017, last just last year, I joined full-time as the executive VP of marketing and sales or sales and marketing. Uh, and I, I get to stick my beak in just about every part of the business. <laughs> and now, Allison, I'll let you take sure. it from there. Sure. Uh, so my background really started on the corporate as well as agency side, public relations for the healthcare technology set. Um, however, while that is a wonderful uh, industry, I didn't want to be only known for healthcare industry, and I was looking for new opportunities to broaden my own knowledge and skill base. And that led me to Barco, which I joined as their PR specialist <clears throat> out of Atlanta, Georgia. That um, obviously introduced me to a multitude of industries as well as introduced me, and I had the pleasure of working with Mr. Fuller there. I was there for about four, just over four years, and then Gary called me up with this new opportunity. Um, I really loved where LED was going. I saw it as the next big thing in the AV industry, and I liked Absin, the possibilities, the endless possibilities that it has, Uh, and, and I jumped on board. And that's where I've landed since. So let me ask just one quick follow-up question. So, Gary, how are you liking that retirement? (laughs) (laughs) We're loving it. I don't know about him. We're loving it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sort of like a jet circling the the airport. It's got too much fuel to land. So that's that's where I'm at. I absolutely love working at Absin. The people, the passion. You know, uh, one of my favorite sayings is um, products come and go, markets go up and down. 
but the people are forever. And um, boy, the, the people I get to work with at Abson and the people that I've been allowed to bring in, like Allison, like Paul Johnston, uh, Joe Quartz, Lee Benches, um, and there's more coming. They're absolute icons in the, the industry. And a comment about Allison, she has taken RPR and social media, not just to the next level, but to the next dimension. Um, and it, it, adding Allison to our existing marketing team was like, hmm, I don't know, adding some element that created a whole new um, capability that it freed uh, it freed up our our the rest of our marketing team to do what they love to do and and one plus one equaled like thirty six it it's just been awesome mm -hmm. I'm so thankful to have Allison and all the other new team members and the existing team members all working together there. I think that's an interesting parallel that the addition of Allison to the team sort of brought you from dot matrix display to 4K. Yeah. Exactly. You know, there's a distinct mm -hmm. evolution. There's an advancement that happens when you bring talented people into an already expanding field. I want to talk about the expansion of the pro AV market, Gary, because you have a bit of experience you've seen some things. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, at some point you were actually working with underwater robots and submarine sonar. And the, so let's, I mean, you've, you're, I don't want to say old, I want to say old school. <laughs> you, and that's, that is, and I, I, I say that with tremendous respect, you literally have watched this industry grow from, just the starting idea. You've seen things that have changed. And so I'm interested in your take in the way that Absent is driving that change moving from the time you joined the company and the things you saw then to the things you see coming now. What sort of trends have you seen, either long-term or recently, that really just kind of caught your attention? Well, it, first of all, I like to my uh, like to think of myself as well aged, like uh, wine, or maybe better in in my case, you know, cheese, because I'm a kind of a cheesy guy. But um, <laughs> so I have been around for a long time. Um, I started back in the AV world in the submarine sonar uh, business um, in 1973, and I've been associated either in the AV related business or some form of electronics ever since. And um, I came into the classic AV business um, as it's seen today in early 1994 at Proxima as a technical marketing consultant, and the rest is history. I went, I've been, I was at Christie for a long time. I was at Barco. I was even at VER, the, the world's largest dry hire uh, wholesale rental company. It's um, every, I've seen things <laughs> in some cases I can't unsee, but um, technology speaking, um, the things that I've seen recently is this incredibly rapid shift away from lamp-based projection. 
um, more towards emissive displays. Now, LCD panels have been around a long time. And the hundreds of billions of dollars that have been poured into that industry by the big players with all of the improvements and the technological advancements and the we've gone from you know narrow bezels to thin bezel to ultra thin to you know and now we're at the point where some people are are actually have um lcd panels with no bezels so um that's one area that i've seen for sure the what lamp based projection, uh, the area that is still growing is the shift away from lamps into laser-based or laser-phosphor-based. And that is still growing and doing quite well, particularly at the high end of things. There's The maintenance costs are lower. There are lots of good reasons and, and terrific applications for um, high-end projection from cinema to in, uh, think about projection mapping. It's a little hard to wrap LED around a building um, and make a spectacular event as quickly and as easily, and it's not that easy actually, uh, as projection mapping. But on the LED side, we are seeing technological advancements literally on a month-to-month -month basis from the way pixels um, are encapsulated, the way the different kinds of technology, the processing involved, how they're used, installed, hung, transported, everything is accelerating. And at the same time, prices are coming down radically. If we think about just in the last five to 10 years, the, the decreases in cost, and that leads to price, um, it's, it's just been amazing to watch. And I'm, I know there are new technologies out there that are being developed that they don't even know how to build them yet, but they know the technology is possible. So. Um, uh, yeah, it, this is a sort of hang on for the ride uh, kind of right. position we're in right now, market wide. Now, having had some experience myself in having to translate between engineer speak and actual human English, Allison, you have to balance a very interesting sort of line between all of the technical data that you get, and you have to mm -hmm. sort of translate that into. English. There's a there's well, a social media aspect mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. the technology takes on. Tell me a little bit about that mm -hmm. challenge. Well, I don't think it's uh, the, the benefit of being a B2B versus a B2C is that that challenge, I wouldn't say, is, is too dramatic. Um, we do already have a higher baseline of knowledge to the audiences that we're talking to. However, there are gaps of knowledge and you don't want to make it too nitty gritty. Um, I think the other thing that as a marketer um, that we are seeing in the industry overall, in the AV industry, is that we're moving away from talking about product to product um, when we're moving towards a solution-based language versus a product-based language. 
And I think that is a huge key in how you deliver your messages. Uh, you want to speak the to the the questions and the thought process of your audience. Um, it's not so much of pixel to pixel anymore as it is about how am I helping you solve the issues that you have currently at hand? And here's the product that does it. It's almost like a secondary thought process. So I think it goes back to really knowing your audience, the end user, as well as the integrator, um, because we are in a way talking to two layers uh, within our messaging. Um, keeping that all in mind uh, is going to help you develop the right message that's going to make the most sense. So really the industry is is making a move more towards personal sort of engagement with the mm -hmm. client and the project mm -hmm. and not so much in the technical nuts and bolts of we can do this and this and this. Does this fit right. something that you want? Right. It goes to the saying of, um, you know, just because you can do it doesn't necessarily mean you should. Just because you don't want to have technology for technology's sake. It needs to have some purpose or relevancy uh, to the problem or the application at hand. So the way I approach and look at whether it's a press release or a brochure or interview, communicating through the trade press that we're targeting to that end user or that integrator, um, we really need to be thinking on the, the level that they are. They do have a knowledge, certainly, about the industry, um, but, but we want to be talking in the same language that they are using. So just because it has 2.9 pixel pitch, what does that really mean? Does it mean that it's going to have the best, is that really the most appropriate to a house of worship? When you're looking at distance from the audience or from the sanctuary to the um, location of of where the video wall or display might be located, I don't know. That's something to be considered. Um, so it's 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 under, really getting more into the nitty gritty of the situation at hand. There's another. There's something else. There's something else I'd like to add to to this part of the conversation. One of the greatest changes that we are seeing, particularly in the LED business, is if you go back to just two or three years ago, there were lots and lots of people going directly to China to visit all of the factories. And there are, there are many, many factories there mm -hmm. um, to buy equipment directly from China. And then that was followed up by China sending lots and lots of Chinese salespeople into the U.S., but you never really knew what you were going to get when it arrived on your doorstep, and you never knew how you were going to get support. One of the greatest changes we're seeing in the last two years is the huge investment in infrastructure in North America by the big mm -hmm. LED players. So exactly. if, if you look at just what we've done in the last um, year at Absin, we have gone from a company of maybe 30, 30 some odd people, we're 60 or more now. And most of those people were added in 
or a lot of those people were added in the support functions, in tech services, in repair, in logistics. It's, um, it's been the missing piece for um, LED, the LED industry in general, mm -hmm. with exception of only one or two companies, now more and more, and Absin in particular, we're very focused on the back-end support. It's, it's not just about price anymore. People are willing to pay more for a well-known brand that they know is quality, and they know if they have an issue, they will be swarmed with people within hours, maybe within a day or two, but people will be there to make sure your show comes off right, or the installation is completed and everything is fixed. Um, anytime you uh, you build and ship something that has millions of individual components, there's always a chance uh, due to infantile failure or whatever that some of those millions of pixels, a, a few might go out. So our ability to respond to make that image perfect quickly is uh, it's becoming well known. And anyone who wants to grow in this business has to realize infrastructure mm -hmm. is every bit as important as the product that you're offering. I think exactly. one of the I think one of the benefits that local infrastructure also brings to the industry is you get a more immediate feedback from your customers, which changes the face of of marketing. It changes the face of selling these items because now you're not just saying to a customer, hey, we created this thing, you should buy it. You are actually approaching it from, okay, customer, what do you need? And then you mm -hmm. take those ideas and you are, it gives you the flexibility to build to need as opposed to build to sell. And since we are in trade show season, and this is the time where you not only present some of the new products and new ideas, but it gives you an opportunity to interface directly with, with right. more customers in a, on a face-to-face -face basis. And I'm going to ask Gary a question that Allison might get scared about, but I'm going to ask it anyways, because uh, I don't think Gary's going to say something that gets any of us in trouble. Gary, is there a product or some sort of project that you're working on now that maybe everybody doesn't know about, but that you can brag about a little bit? Uh, well, there's a few actually. Um, we're we're walking that fine balance between bringing out too many product, too many new products with different technological features, and um, continuing on with existing products and making. Uh, improvements in those sustaining engineering kind of improvements that are backwards compatible. One of the biggest complaints that we hear, um, and it's it's well known in the industry, is with uh, LED companies, there is a tendency to introduce a product line at, say, ISE, and by the time LDI rolls around, they're already introducing the next product that supersedes it. And so after, you know, decades in the, uh, the display industry, uh, particularly in the projection side, one of the things we learned is you can't just keep obsoleting what you just sold. 
because on the rental staging side, you know, Doug Murray has written on this extensively that at some point the LED companies have to figure out that it becomes a losing proposition for rental stagers if we continue just bringing new products, new products, new products, and what they just spent literally millions of dollars on less than 12 months before may be superseded by something that's less expensive, that's lighter, that's you know higher performance. So we have to walk a pretty fine balance, um, a fine line, if you will. So what we're doing right now is um, we have made decisions about what we'll keep in the lineup that have become the staple um, in 2017 for rental staging and keeping that in our lineup for another 12 to 18 months. It's still a great product. It still does better than most that are out there. Um, but as new technologies like chip on board uh, come out, we have to bring those to market and find a way to fit it into our line. So at ISE, we introduced um, a new line um, called the Polaris. We, we have the Polaris series. We have Cobalt, which is a part of the Polaris series. We have the LT or the Altair series, which is part of the Polaris series. Um, with the Polaris series, we decided that we would standardize more on the frame and then be able to attach um, different kinds of technology to the same frame. So uh, just to make it easier for everyone who was buying multiple products, also to make it better in manufacturing so we can lower our costs, so we can offer better value at a lower price. but. Probably one of the most interesting technologies that we brought and introduced at ISE is our Cobalt series. It's a 1.9 millimeter um, encapsulated. Um, it's it's chip on board. What um, it's called Abstin's Nano Nano Shield technology. Shield. It encapsulates right. the LED chips. Uh, with a, a layer of advanced composite material so that um, we demo it, we demonstrate it by banging the front of it, which you would never want to do on a 1.9. So, right. um, especially much more when durable. you add into a, the rental staging market. Sorry, Gary. No, I was going to say that banging element, and then you put it into a rental staging. Yeah, you want to make a, sure you're not encouraging yeah. people to hit your products with a hammer. Well, no, but in the rental no, no, no. staging market, there's there there's wear and tear. If you can have a product that lasts and has a better ROI um, and longevity to it, the the more attractive it's going to be to that rental company. Absolutely. So let me ask one question to wrap this up. As much as I hate to end this interview, is there a project that you have been involved in that after it was done, you sat back and you just thought, wow, we are really awesome. Gary, is there a project <laughs> that pops that you look at and you think, man, we are really good and just narrow it down to one. Just, I'm going to make you narrow it down to one. Oh, it's a toss up. Um, uh, 
Allison, I'll let you choose. You know, it's got to be one of the big sports venues for sure. What? Yeah, I, I would say probably we just um, announced it yesterday officially uh, was the indoor scoreboard that we had the pleasure of working with Translux on for the New Jersey Devils. This is the Prudential Center. Um, currently, it is, I believe, marked as the world's largest indoor scoreboard. Um, and it is stunning. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, I would say that's, you look at the videos, you look at the, the Fox Business interview that was done when they launched it in um, October of last year, and you just go, wow, I was a part of that. And that does, it, it gives you a little pep in your step. Okay, Gary, you successfully evaded that question. Very professionally well done. But I'm directing this question directly to you as we wrap this up. Is okay. there a building that you have seen in your travels that you think, I'd like to get my hands on that building? If I could, if I could outfit that one building, I've got some really neat ideas of some things we could do. Ooh. Hmm. That's a tough one. Uh, and it can be any well, building in the world. Yeah, NASDAQ. My good friends at NASDAQ. I've worked with them in, in the past at two different companies with uh, their on-set cube displays. I would love to work with NASDAQ again on their LED, both inside and outside. We could do both. Today, I've had the opportunity to chat with Gary Fuller, the Executive Vice President for Sales and Marketing at Absin America. And I've had the chance to also speak with Allison Maxson, PR and Marketing Communications Manager, also with Absin America. I'd like to thank both of you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. You're quite welcome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries. 